श्री गोरीबाष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय श्री भक्ति सिद्धांत सृष्टिता को प्रभुपाद की जय तिरुगाब महोत्सव की जय गोर प्रेमानंदे so as i mentioned the song that we sang very much um is considered to embody bhakti siddhanta sarasvati talk and perhaps one of the verses in the song uh itself uh does so as well hmm? and so i'll speak a little bit from that verse this is the second to the last the penultimate verse of the stotram pujapachitamars Sings param hungsa param param artapatim patito daranekito veshitim. Yatiradjaganai, Purisavia padam, pranamam isada, Prabhu pada padam. The path of Uttambakti as its termed by Srila Rupa Goswami. Uttam means superlative, it means here uh, um, exclusive, pure, uh, without the admixture of any other path. Uh, Uttam bhakti. This uh, a t- term of Rupa Goswami He's coined, a phrase he's coined, to describe the kind of bhakti that the, the Gita advocates, leaves off advocating, emphasizing, Krishna does to Arjuna, and, and where the Bhagavatam picks up uh, and, and, and begins by uh, speaking about in a general way. There in the Bhagavatam, it's described dharma projita kaitavotra paramo nirmat saranam satam that this uh, this type of bhakti is for the nirmatsar hmm? who have no envy the pure hearted satam honest in all respects types type of people uh, it, it lives aside that the ordinary sense of dharma varnashram which is concerned with with material acquisition um sense indulgence, uh, by material acquisition I mean a better position in society or um, economic well-being and so forth. Uh, sense pleasure, dharma, arth- dharma, virtuousness in a religious sense, to be dutiful and pious and so forth. And ultimately it's about, uh, it, it, it leads one in a very gradual way in the direction of mukti or liberation, which is beyond all these other human Pursuits. That's where the mukti becomes. You become superhuman. Go transcend. We use the humanity to its fullest measure to transcend the limits of humanity. But the Bhagavatam says that this, that, that it's it's about uh, devotion to Krishna in such a way that's not concerned with mukti, which is very curious because we think well, it's not concerned with dharma, art, and kama if it's a spiritual path because these are material um, goals. Hmm? And so, what is the what is the idea? And it's the, beyond the fourth is the fifth is the idea. Panchama purushartha, the purushartha. Purush means person, and artha means um, like a goal, uh, desirable, uh, attainable, um, ideal. So the purushartha, the ideals of human society, are thought to be. Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha. And if you break these things down, hmm, you see they cover the whole range of really of, of all human uh, pursuits, which, in a, in a more condensed way, is the, is 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 pursuance pursuance of desires that are two two sided, attaining happiness, avoiding distress, and then we go to Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, and these co- have a correspondence with. Dharma, Artha, Kama, with Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas, the modes of nature. It's, it's very intricate and uh, very interesting um, explanation of the human condition that the Hindus have put forth in their sacred texts. 
So if you play out the implications of all these terms and so forth. And then moksha, of course, is, is, as I say, is the beyond, beyond humanity. So what could be beyond that? This is where Chaitanya Vaishnavism comes in and makes this very powerful claim uh, that uh, turns the religious world on its head, so to speak. And so the term has been given to the preem, which is the preojan, the ideal, the goal, the artha, if you will, uh, the panchama purush artha. Hmm? So there are four purush arthas, or goals of humanity, that cover the whole range and and beyond. It's it's considered a human range because the human life gives us the chance to pursue moksha, pursue that which which we sense in human life we are that extends beyond the limits of our humanity. Hmm? And of course, how we get at that and experience that more is very much going in an opposite way of the way we go in with regard to dharma, artha, and kama. Dharma is kind of in the direction to be virtuous. It serves as kind of a bridge. It gives a clarity of mind, some purity of heart that, that brings into focus the idea that, that there's something pursuable in a systematic way beyond my human condition, and it's me. and I'm, the, I'm part of that more. I am that, that more. Hmm? Atma and so forth. So, Panchamapurushartha means the fifth goal of life, beyond the fourth. In the way it's described, Turiyat, Turiya, the fourth. We can't say anything more about it. This is another way of talking about it when it when we speak about uh, Jagrata, Swapna, and Susupti. Waking consciousness, waking in relation to the objects of the senses hmm? in our life, our sensual life, mental life, uh, intellectual life, in the waking state. Then, so this is a, is a is a aspect of consciousness, waking consciousness, awake to the external world. Then there's swapna, which means dreaming, when the uh, Awareness, I want to say, that from a consciousness point of view, the world uh, collapses. The world of, of things collapses. Because we're un- in sleep, in dreaming, we're unconscious of the external world. Mm-hmm. And our senses are not active in terms of relating to sense objects. They're kind of closed down. Mm-hmm. And it's peaceful. But the mind remains active in dreaming. Hmm? And so we are aw- we are aware then, or conscious in that sense, uh, which is an aspect of consciousness. Awareness is only an aspect of consciousness. Uh, consciousness is like light that is luminous and luminates other things that are not luminous. So the awareness aspect <laughs> of consciousness that a lot of people in science are concerned with and think that's the all in all of consciousness is consciousness's ability to illuminate other things, to be aware of them, to shed light on them. But it is a light in itself. So it is consciousness, and it has consciousness in terms of consciousness being awareness, an aspect of it. So that the light lights things, that's true, but it's luminous unto itself. Um it's more like, to give another example, there's consciousness, there's electricity, and then there's a light bulb. Hmm? So the electricity is, has great illuminating power. Hmm? And it illuminates a certain area that we may be conscious of through a light bulb. At time. We unscrew the light bulb, do we think there's no more electricity? No. Hmm? So when a particular, whether it be waking... Or dreaming, we're talking about dreaming, we can go beyond dreaming consciousness. Hmm? Awareness in that respect. The mind can close down in what we call deep sleep. There's no dreaming. I know they probably have a name for it. Uh, where you really sleep well or something. REM. 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 Hmm? In Sanskrit, this REM is called <laughs> susupti. Hmm? Deep sleep, dreamless sleep. So the idea here is that there's a waking phase of 
where where the conscious ent- consciousness entity, the consciousness composed, or consciousness, uh, yeah, it's composed of co- the, this this consciousness is sheds its light hmm? awareness on on things, hmm? illuminates them, gives them meaning by interacting with them. This is the waking state. When that closes down, in the sense that the conscious being is no longer interacting with them, no longer aware of them. Hmm? But the mind is active hmm? in dreaming, then it's in this swapna. So the consciousness is aware of mental possibilities, which are like the possibilities of the waking state, but multiplied many times over. Like probably give the example, you can see gold and you can see a mountain. Hmm? But it's hard to get a golden mountain. <laughs> uh, but in the dream, you can have a golden mountain. In the dream, you can have many fantastic things, isn't it? So according to the Vedanta, this mind is not something, obviously, that's, that's a product of the brain. Hmm? It's a, the brain would be a, a, a gross or crude form of matter, and mind is a subtle form. It has certain components. Hmm? Chitta, buddhi, hmm? ahankar. This manas makes a, a, a total internal organ that's subtle hmm, in its composition. And this subtle uh, internal organ is the medium through which consciousness, which is other, other than matter altogether, not re- reducible to matter, communicates with the gross world. The cheta, for example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu compared to a mirror that if you place it over there, there's a reflection that comes on it. So if we place the chitta in relation to something, a vritti, a, a, a reflection, a, a wave comes on it, and then we experience that. That's what we, we don't experience the thing itself, but a reflection of that brought about by chitta. Hmm? And desires are all in the chitta, and so on and so forth. The, the, the self is like a witness. Hmm? But we get identified with the picture there, caught up in that, and it's, it's like a virtual reality. It's 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 a problematic uh, picture. Picture that things are always changing. And it's like musical chairs, and one day you're out. Hmm? You're, there's no chair for you. <laughs> you're out of the game, and so it appears. Of course, you come back again, play again. Hmm? Um, but to win the game really is 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 to understand that it's a virtual reality, uh, and um, and then, as 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 the witness, to witness that, not and not participate, not get overwhelmed by that, let it play itself out as long as it does, and so forth. And of course, then with the ingress of bhakti, we have some other object, a spiritual object, if you will, to to re- reflect upon. This cleanses the buddhi, the chitta, the the, the, the chaita, and the, the self comes out, and its possi- emotive possibilities for rasa and so forth are. Uh, 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 realized. Hmm. So, at any rate, the long story here, but the waking state, uh, conscious, the dreaming state, where the gross physical world is closed down. Hmm? You're not aware of it. Now you're aware of this mental world to some extent. And it's, it seems like there's all kinds of possibilities there. You, 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 you a, a prince in armor comes to save you and turns into a monster and and all, it's very it seems very like um disconcerting I mean, we haven't got quite a handle on it uh perhaps and that that's why but in vedanta the idea is there's this something called manas mind and all uh, these various subtle uh components of the internal organ and they don't just fit between the ears any more than the matter, the gross matter that our bodies are constituted of, is only here. Like we heard last night, everything is inside of these basic elements, solidity, liquidity, heat, uh, movement, space, and so forth. And they're inside of us, or they're our makeup, so to speak, materially speaking. This is, there's solidity here, there's liquidity here, there's heat here, in what I think as of myself, my body, and so forth. So this, this manas, or this mind, or the subtle, let's call it the subtle... Um, matter. Hmm. It it's it's also not just between your head. 
So there's a whole realm of that. When we talk about the gods and the goddesses and so this is all mental stuff. Hmm? It's all experienced on, on 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 the mental level. And there's all kinds of possibilities there. They have different number of heads and arms and they can do all kinds, just like you can in a dream. Hmm? According to one's orientation, spiritually also, one will come up with different experiences. We may think that they're culturally based and so forth, but there's all types of possibility within mind and how we orient ourselves towards the absolute. Hmm? So there can be angels on the one side, in the Christian side. There can be Shivas and Durgas and so forth. Hmm? This is all mental stuff. Hmm? All different possibilities that lie there. Hmm? It's a way of understanding these you know, ununderstandable things and giving them more value than the modern mind will tend to give, which doesn't give much credit to, to, to anything but, it, but its limited sense of self. We have a very limited sense of mind from the Vedanta point of view. We, we, we tend to think, a lot of people tend to think it's just a brain. There is no such thing as really a mind. It's just a, a way of thinking about it. <laughs> and so forth. So it, 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 to understand it like this, then we see, oh, this, there's a, uh, a, a realm, you know, we call it the paranormal or something like that, possibilities. Uh, and so then beyond this, what happens when the mind shuts down in dreamless sleep hmm? and you're not aware of this subtle permutations, com- possible combinations of, of matter in a subtle way that make the, the gross combinations you can't find, but in a subtle way you can manipulate them and have possibilities and so forth. So that's closed down. You're no longer aware of the mental world. Hmm? You're no longer conscious or aware of the physical world. Hmm? You're, however, sleeping deeply, restfully, hmm? and you wake up and say, I rested well. Hmm? The implication is you cannot remember, you cannot remember something you didn't experience. So we remember that we slept well. What was it like? I can't put it in words. It was just, it was good. My mind stopped. My body stopped with interaction with the senses, and it was peaceful. So the implication from the point of the Vedantas is trying to analyze his or her experience in life, the ultimate pramana. It's not a book. Uh, uh, or a guru, in a sense, but it's my experience. But then when my experience is explained and played out by the book and by the guru in a way that I couldn't quite articulate it, but yes, if I think about it, that corresponds with my experience. Hmm? I get very compelling um, impetus for proceeding along the lines of the book and, uh, and, the, and, the, and the words of the guru, even when they speak about things that I don't have direct experience of. They're speaking about the nature of my experience. If I think deeply about it, that's very profound. And, and so, so in deep sleep, you sleep, you rest well. The implication is the body closed down, the mind closed down, but you still existed and it was peaceful. Hmm? And you remember that it was peaceful. Hmm? There was no mind... There was no body. There was you. Hmm? What was it like? Well, it's kind of like I can't put words to it. It was beyond. So the jagrata, hmm? uh, jagrata means the waking consciousness. We can talk about that. The, the dreaming consciousness, we can talk about that. The deep sleep consciousness, all we can say is it's, well, it was like restful. It's, it's somewhat, the implication is somewhat analogous to a condition of consciousness freed from, independent of gross and subtle matter. And the nature of it, it's, it's, it's kind of blissful, it's, it's peaceful, it's restful, it's not stressful, I'm not, I wasn't struggling to exist, and so forth. Now, the, now this, it's not to say that when you go into deep sleep you become enlightened, obviously, because you wake up and there you are, and you've got your... Your karma's arresting you, and off you go. Off to work you go again. Because you owe, off to work you go. So, um, 
but it's it's there's some so that the Vedantist thinks, hmm, there there's reason to believe there's an existence independent of body and mind, and it's restful. I kind of go there, but I can't stay there. How could I go and stay there? Is there any possibility of going and staying there? Hmm? In other words, is there a way of unraveling consciously hmm, the world and my connection with that of gross matter and, and, and my mind? Is there a way of disentangling myself from, from, from the dictates of my mind, the demands of my mind, the mandates of my senses, the sense objects which say, touch me, taste me, hear me. <laughs> huh? And the I that comes from that, hmm? I like this, this tastes good, this tastes bad, this is me. I like mangoes, that's me. I like. Uh, so by thinking about it, this is an illusory I, how can I dismantle that? Who's doing the dismantling? Hmm? Who was restful when that was kind of suspended? Hmm? So is there, way, is there a way to not just suspend it, but to retire it and attain that peacefulness once and for all? Hmm? Hmm? And of course, this is what the, the meditative traditions are about, how to systematically go about hmm? dismantling that and, and, and demonstrating for one's own self something that has some basis in our experience that there's a reasonable possibility hmm, to pursue it. And what, what a possibility. Hmm? And it conforms, of course, that possibility, it, 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 it concurs with the sense that I said earlier, that there's more to us than what meets the mind and the eye. We, we live like that, hmm? largely. That can be problematic, hmm? because we try to be more materially than what we are and... and and there's never enough, and so we become a big greedy um, beast, and so forth. But more in a subtle way, hmm? more, more in that not not really more, but different. Hmm? I like the, the the slogan of Apple. You know, was it think differently or something like that? You know, not just more of the same, but but a little differently. And so. Different, categorically different, different substance, hmm? matter and consciousness. And so to go beyond the deep sleep in a systematic way, in a yogic, in a meditative way, hmm? requires retiring through wisdom the desires and the chitta that are fueling this whole thing. Hmm? And so as we do that, we come to the more that is beyond susupti. Hmm? And they just call it the fourth. There's the three phases. They have names. Jagrati, Jagrata Swapna, Susupti, and Turiya. Turiya means the fourth, beyond. <laughs> what can we say about it? Hmm? It's ineffable, something like that. So now to come along and say there's something beyond the fourth, it's just like you could pass out if you could understand what we were talking about. This is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was doing hmm? in his lineage. Some Vaishnava lineages are, to other lineages are to an extent, but the extent to which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was speaking about something beyond Turiya, beyond the fourth. The other Vaishnava lineages, they also say the fourth, the fourth, but they define it differently than, for example, in the, in, in the Dueta Vedanta. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, coming from Gopal Tapani, Turiyatita Gopala, hmm? the fifth, fourth and a half, or the fifth, hmm? and Prem Prayojan, Panchama Purushartha, the fifth goal of life, Prem. Hmm? This is the ideal of um, Sriman uh, Mahaprabhu, his teaching. Hmm? And of course, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, and how we got into all that, but uh, 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 maybe I'll trace it out here as we continue. But uh, he's a great emissary and teacher and advocate of, of such this fourth goal of course, causing a revolution within Hinduism where the standard idea is moksha is the ideal, and he's belittling, in a sense, moksha in comparison to 
the I, the possibility of preem that has come before you with the advent of of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. <clears throat> and so here's the point: this is the Bhagavatam says this is the Paramhamsa Marg, hmm? the path Marg of the Paramhamsas. It means that this idea of bhakti that the Bhagavatam talks about, this Uttam Bhakti, that it is not only very generous as coming through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, reaching out to us, who are we, hmm? but it also ministers to the to the, to, to great souls, Paramhamsas. It has its application in transcendence. Hmm? In other words, it has its place in, in liberation and in liberating people. Hmm? That's very uh, extraordinary. It's a post-liberated reality, hmm? and it's a pre-liberated reality in terms of a, of a, of a pursuit. Hmm? And the pursuit is just more of the same. So sadhana bhakti is an anga, a limb of the body of prema bhakti. We, you know, we do it without a lot of feeling, and some feeling may come. Hmm? And real feeling will come when, in the context of that chanting, the mind actually closes down. Not because you went to sleep, or, you know, or the, your consciousness, the external world closes down. Not because you went to sleep, hmm? and your mind closes down uh, by the force of kirtan. Kirtan the prabhavis marana sobhavi. This is a nice uh, line from a poem, Vaishnav K of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Hmm? Uh, by the power of kirtan, that internal meditation will come of its own, without, you know, without in a forced or an unnatural way, such as the power of. Hari Kirtan. Hmm? So he's very much an advocate of this Kirtan. And here he's described in this verse, Paramhamsa Bharam, that he is a, um, I want to say, um, he is a great Paramhamsa, the verse says, which means means to say that he's a greatly liberated soul, tasting this preem and so forth. Hmm? He's on the Paramhamsa Marg, but Paramamsa param paramartha patim patito darane yativesha yatim krita vesha yatim yatiradjuganai. But he saved him. This is was very characteristic of him. The idea of his disciples was he is a is the Prabhupada, hmm? and he, he is experiencing this. But he has brought himself down from there. Hmm? And he has adorned himself as a Parivrajak. Parivrajak means a wandering mendicant. Hmm? Wandering, arguably, in search of the ideal. Never staying in one place for too long that you might get attached to it. Hmm? Um, but they used to go from house to house and stay long enough, it's said, to, to milk a cow. Hmm? Take Take a a pound of milk, that's uh, what, 8.6 pounds is a gallon. <laughs> Take a pound of milk and, and and during the milking, speak the Bhagavatam and then go to the next, you know, next place, something like that. Never staying in any, any household for too long with where there might be comforts and, hey, it's nice here, Swami, we've got a room for you. And we, we can arrange everything, all your needs. I'm out of here. See, <laughs> I got to move on here. I'll stay a couple of days and no longer. Uh, my needs are already taken care of. Hmm? Bhagavan, I don't want to get confused. I think you're taking care of them. And now suddenly I start having more needs, which is the nature of meeting your needs to some extent. Hmm? A, little, a couple more needs might be there as we need, meet them. And, and suddenly we're, we're, we're entangled and so forth. So the Parivrajak would move hmm, until he reached the point where he could sit hmm, and be unmoved by anything of the world, hmm, hmm, unattracted, unattached, on the force of, on the strength of his real and genuine participation in that other world, in bhakti. Hmm. This bhakti participation, I want to say, and I've given this example before, is something like if you were to take a dig a big hole and dump all of your karma in there and all of your desires and so forth, then cover it up. Hmm? That's like the gown mark, cover it up. But after a while, something could grow up through there if you're not careful. Hmm? Just the nature of the world, 
It's subtle and powerful. Rain comes, sun comes. Next thing you know, something's growing there. But instead, what we do is we dig the hole, we throw all the desires and the karma in there, uh, not for just to throw them away, but to use that energy to build a temple hmm? on top. Nothing will grow there. We're going to dance in that temple hmm? in a new in a new new shape, in a, in a new form. Hmm? So that kind of ability to sit. This is different than the Jivan Mukta in the Gyanmarg. The Jivan Mukta means who's liberated in this life. Hmm? In the Gyanmarg, this is a famous term, hmm? Jivan Mukta. Uh, and the idea is that his or her parabdha, manifest karma, is playing itself out. The unmanifest karma that that would have been due has been eradicated by the power of jnana, avidya, ignorance to, to the source of our material bewilderment, has been uh, uprooted with vidya, with knowledge. And so I'm liberated. But there's parabdha, or manifest karma, that's playing itself out, that I just have to kind of watch it and let it play itself out. And so the jivan mukta will appear to have certain desires, likes and dislikes. This is the parabdha. Hmm? And he's functioning through that, but he is not participating in the parabdha in such a way as to foster further karmic implications. He's witnessing it. So he'll have some likes or dislikes. I'd rather have a mango than a, than a, than a banana right now or something like that. But so that, that's the parabdha is, is, is holding that. Hmm? But again, he's not participating in it inordinately or in an unbecoming way or in a way that will will propel it. Prabhupada sometimes gave the example if you have an electric fan and you pull out the plug, what happens? It continues to go around slower, 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 stop. But once you pull out the plug, you can say, I turned off the fan. It's off. Unless you plug it back in. It may take a little time. So in Gyanmarg, there's a conception of the Jivan Mukta like this. Hmm? But that Jivan Mukta is in proximity to the world, nonetheless. There's always still a chance that it might get plugged back in. There's, there's, there's some chance. Hmm? And it's said in Bhagavatam, Arya Krishna Param Padam Tata Padanti Ado Dandatyush Marangraya Abhishuddha Buddha Bimukta Manina. If that person doesn't have respect for bhakti, then he'll definitely become implicated again. This is a statement of Bhagavat. Hmm? Hmm? Bhagavat says if you want to be liberated in a kind of a generic sense without rasa and so forth, yeah, you can have that. But don't disrespect the, the ideal of, of bhakti rasa. This is where Bhagavan participating in. If you want to participate in his halo, that's up to you. Hmm? He says, Brahmano Pratishtaham in Gita. That Brahman, that, that, that light of Brahman, that, I'm the source of that. That's subordinate to me. I'm the, I'm the, any bliss, ananda, being there, I'm the concentrated form of that. Hmm? That's a diluted form. And it's very practical if you talk about it. It's a very diluted form of, of ananda, of love. Krishna is the concentrated form of that. This is a consciousness form. After all, Material forms are a result of consciousness investing itself in matter, in, in earth, in solidity, in liquidity, and it takes a shape. If consciousness is invested in itself, why not a shape made out of consciousness? What will that be? Hmm? We could say that's like shapeless, but nonetheless with form. Hmm. So. so, at any rate, the Jivan Mukta... Hmm? is the penultimate state in the Gyanmarg before Videha Mukti. Hmm? Beyond Videha, beyond the body. The body's, now the Prabhupada is finished, so that's death for the Jivan Mukta. Now in the Bhakti tradition of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there's a difference. This, because why? Shastra, scripture says that while Vidya, while knowledge has the power to eradicate karma, hmm, it doesn't have the power to eradicate the Prabhupada karma, which is already manifest. It's like, you know, I could have protected you from the cold a day ago, but now you've got it, so you're just going to have to wait six days, seven nights, whatever it is, and play itself out. No cure for the common cold. Hmm. 
So although you may uproot ignorance, that ignorance has already started to manifest as, as karma. Well, that's just got to play itself out. But for the devotee, hmm, this happens at the stage of asakti. This is the end of sadhana bhakti. After ruchi, taste, where the practice, the medicine becomes the food, as I said, the, the nourish. Then becomes a, there becomes attachment, not only to bhakti, as there is in ruchi, but to the object of bhakti, to Krishna, in a particular way. Hmm? And, and, and this asakti then transforms or, or, or uh, turns into, into bhava, hmm? real emotional life in relation to, uh, to the object of one's attachment, just like an identity is formed for us now on the basis of our attachments. We're a Costa Rican or American, a man, a woman, or this or that, based on our attachments. So when the attachment comes for this consciousness other, significant other Krishna, an identity results from that. And this identity starts to manifest in bhava bhakti, and one starts to step into that identity in a special kind of internal sadhana and experience a relationship with Krishna and, and it's kind of like being, you got drafted by the team and you're on the bench and every now and then they say, come on in and run a play, you know, and you go in and back to the bench and you're watching it, you're learning all the plays, of the whole, you know, you're learning the playbook and everything and at some point they say, you're in, you're, it's it, you're a, you're a starter, something like that. And that is praying, hmm? something like that. So, Baba Bhakti is kind of like, you got drafted, you're on the team now, you know, you've been selected and it's rare. Hmm? Sudurab, Sudurab, rarely attained. Huh? But soon you'll be playing. There's every chance. <laughs> There's every chance. So in Bhav Bhakti, because Vidya doesn't have the power, it doesn't have the power to eradicate Parabdha, as the Jnanis themselves say. But the Bhagavad and other texts readily explain that Bhakti has the power to eradicate Parabdha. Manifest karma. That's very extraordinary. Hmm? Therefore, it's said by Krishna in the Gita that bhakti is the highest knowledge. Rajavidya, Rajaguyam, he says. I'm going to tell you, Arjuna, he says in the middle of the Gita, the ninth chapter, he says, I'm going to tell you a secret, Rajaguyam, the highest secret and the highest knowledge. And what is it? Become my devotee, love me. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's all. To serve you, that's it. There's nothing more than that. Nothing more than that. There's got to be something that you add on or something very flashy or more more things or eternal life. Just serve me. Of course, this solves all problems. See, Bhakti calls for a change of identity. Gyan, yoga, really they don't. They don't don't call for a change of identity. They call for an eradication of certain identity, but not a change of identity. Here's a change of identity. I'm a servant of Krishna. Wherever I go, I carry this ego with me. I'm a servant of Krishna, servant of my guru. Hmm? I keep connected with that, and I do everything in relation to that. So, so if there are, there are difficulties in the service, it's not a problem. My, my business is not avoiding difficulties or finding happy situations. My business is serving. If I got a difficult service, just like Miguel, hmm? one of our workers, he comes here regularly. He'll be here tomorrow, probably. A little vacation now, but he'll come. I say to him, you know, uh, you know, I got uh, any number of things you could do today. You know, I'm thinking maybe I should give him a lighter. Yesterday he was digging trenches. Today maybe I'll have him, you know, pick weeds or something. That's hard work. He says it doesn't matter. Hmm? Says, My job is I do work. I ask, I ask, you know, how's everything going? Happy? He said, by the grace of God, I've got work. Everything's okay. Gracias de Dios. Tengo trabajo. Todo está bien. This is something to learn from. Hmm? This is the Sudra Varna. Hmm? You, you, know, you, you know the Varna Ashram? They have the Brahmins, the, the, the Chatriyas, the Vaishas, the Sudras. So sometimes the, we ask a Vaishnava, we know you don't practice the Varnashram Dharma, but which of the ashram, which are the which are the Varnas is the best? One who doesn't know well says, oh, the Brahman is the best. One who knows well, the Sudra is the best. Because hmm? 
He knows how to serve. And all you got to do is say, serve over here. <laughs> do Krishna's service. Okay, no problem. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's going to be digging ditches today or it's going to be picking flowers. It really doesn't matter. Hmm? I get paid to serve. Whatever, whatever the service is needed, I do that. Hmm? You know, the sudras in India, they wear the sika. This is the sign of the sudra. Worker. <laughs> a worker bee. A worker bee has much to do with the honey. Hmm? Right? With making honey. Hmm? So we are all being in the school of Bhakti Siddhanta and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu could be initiated into worker bee status. Mm-hmm. It's not very glorious, it doesn't seem, but it is, considering who is the, ob- the object of worship. Hmm? How worshipable he is, how lovable, how affectionate. And of course, service turns, the basis of love is service. You know, can ask any mother that. Hmm? Sacrifice is the womb from which love is born. Hmm? Then, so underlying, you know, the parental love, the, the, even the, the, the romantic love, if it's going to last, is some sacrifice. Hmm? Some serving ego. It's not gonna, if you're just in it for yourself, then after a while the guy's going to get, you know, burned out. And say, you're just self-centered, and I'm here too, you know, or the other way around, this may be the case, right? So, so, it's just to use a material example. Hmm. So, in bhakti, then, bhakti has the power to eradicate the parabdha because it, it actually changes your identity. Hmm? It changes your identity. So, so, you may do the similar things, but you're doing them with an entirely different motive. Hmm? And so what happens is the parabdha is exhausted, but, but Krishna preserves it or give some other parabdha even, hmm? to keep you in a body, because if the parabdha was to play itself out, you'd have no body. Hmm? So at Bhava Bhakti, the, the parabdha is finished, but the but the, some semblance of the parabdha is preserved, so he may have the same taste, same disposition, and so forth, but this is arranged by Krishna, preserved that that person will stay on in the world. Why? Because Bhava is not the, the finish, Prem is, and that Bhava has to be cultivated. Hmm? Within, internally. So the internal cultivation of this bhava hmm, requires that we, we we stay in this world some time. And of course, there's a wonderful sharing of that that comes automatically, overflow to, to others, which is a benediction. So Krishna uses the devotee in this way to benedict others and put him in a position, put her in a position to develop praying. Hmm? So it's a very extraordinary condition. Hmm? And so the Paramhamsa, in the full sense of the term, has come to this position. Hmm? In the sannyas, there are four divisions. Sannyas means renunciation, and uh, uh, so there's the Bahuda, Kutichak, Paribrajak, and Hamsa. Hamsa means swan. Hmm? And Paramhamsa means like the supreme swan. This is, uh, this is the Narutam stage. Hmm? Nara Uttam. All that Nara, human, could be and more. Hmm? And that person can sit and chant Hare Krishna. Hmm? If you are not able to sit and chant Hare Krishna, then you have to wander around for Krishna's purposes and your Guru's purpose. And dig dig a hole over there, now dig one over here. And and so all those things are important. We pay attention, but but there's a higher purpose also. We could just make up things to do. Let's keep everybody busy. <laughs> There's something, something supposed to happen inside if you're doing it right. This is the point. Hmm? So, Bhakti Siddhanta he actually sat. He took a vow to chant a billion names. Was it a billion? A billion names, I think. Uh, without getting up. Uh, uh, How does that work? I think that... 20, 16 rounds of japa is 25,000 names. So, how many times does 25,000 go into a billion? We haven't got a computer mind. You got it? 25,000 into a billion. Hmm? Is it a quarter of a million? There you go. I was going to ask you. I thought you might have a mind for that. 
quarter of a million, 250,000 rounds. Um, and how many rounds can you chant in a day? Uh, how many how many names? Uh, Three hundred thousand. Anyway, it's a lot. Yeah, I, I shouldn't go into it. So he took a vow to do that. He sat down. It took him a long time. Marge will give us the calculation. How many how many days it took him? How many months? My computer doesn't go that high. Okay. Okay. Anyway, two hundred fifty thousand rounds, right? Hmm. And uh, and sixteen rounds is twenty five thousand. They say twenty five thousand names. A lot of rounds. <laughs> he sat down. He actually sat for many years hmm? in Bajam. Hmm? Many many years, and. From that bhajan, he got up and started his mission. So the point here is that that mission and his moving around and all the moving he did, he he, he opened 64 monasteries in India, uh, wrote books, translated books into from Bengali and Sanskrit into English, interacted with the British uh, at the time and so forth, uh, and was a force for reforming um, uh, religion, social reform, and for spiritual reform, even of his own tradition and so forth. But all of that was going on after he sat for a long time. So the point is, that type of movement that he was doing was not the movement I mentioned earlier of the Parivrajak, who's moving because he doesn't want to get stuck in one place and got, doesn't get get attached. Hmm? Hmm? That's a, that's a preliminary stage that that the sannyasi goes through. He keeps on the move and. And, uh, and, and, and busy with uh, projects and so on and so forth for Krishna. Uh, but so characteristically, one would come to the sitting stage and sit. That's it. But he got up from the sitting and moved around and appeared like a Paribrajak and adorned himself like a Paribrajak. And he taught his disciples to venerate, to worship the Paramahamsa ideal and not to imitate it. Hmm? to act in such a way that that ideal will want to come within you rather than you want to try to force your way up there, something like that, by way of glorifying it and preaching about what it actually is, how high it is, because many people at the time were imitating that. Hmm? They had no caste, they had no position in the, in the caste society of Varnashram, so they went and said, I'll be a follower of Chaitanya. Now I'm somebody, because Chaitanya's mission is beyond caste. Of course they were not qualified to go sit in the jungle and just chant, and so they put on the dress of of such, and then they, they didn't have the proper understanding, the sambandha gown of bhakti, and then then immorality would surface in the name of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and they'd have a radha who they were, you know, working with on the side and so forth, and conflate that with you know, ideals that are, you know, have nothing to do with, with that and so forth. So this kind of moral corruption occurred, um, to the, to the extent that the pious Hindus in the Varnashram, if a a, a Godia uh, renunciate would come to the door begging and the, and the house servant would say, they ask, who's there? Oh, it's a Godia. Oh, well, give him some fruit and send him away. If it was somebody else, they might say, oh, let's hear what he has to say. They, they, these guys have nothing to say. They have no caste. And, 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 the, and the caste system is all about more moral what's morally right, what's what's PC and, and living accordingly and, and so on and so forth. These people are, you know, they, they call themselves Chaitanya and they think they're on the fifth goal of life, you know. And they, they don't even have any, you know, any moral ground to stand on it. And, and so, understanding through Bhakti Bhinotakwa what was what was what really Gaudiya Vaishnavism was and wanting to see it properly represented, he thought to reface Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and, and so he 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 became a sannyasi. Hmm? He sat before the picture of his guru Gorakshordas Babaji. His guru had passed away, and he and he, he he took a sannyas vow before him. Then he dressed himself up like a sannyasi, and and chanted the sannyas mantra. But he's doing this all after he sat for many years, hmm? Hmm? 
and 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 so he formed a, a sannyasa order, which is the sannyasa order is largely for the jnanis. They're very famous. They're the sannyasis. They're they're renounced. Everybody respects them and so forth. So to bring respect to the Gaudiyas, he said, we have renunciates too. So here they are. They look like this. We'll dress them like this. And these were innovations and so forth. Hmm? And of course, he drew from examples from other Vaishnav Sampradayas and Gaudiya history and repackaged. He was a repackager and an innovator and so forth without doing away with the, the essence and so forth. And it's ironic how ironic how people will be the followers of Bhakti Siddhanta Sosthitaka or think of themselves as such and be so unflexible and so unable to identify with the essence, hmm? while quoting exactly, he said it like this, it should be done like this, it should be, but he said it should be done like this, all in much in consideration of time and place and circumstance and what was going on at the time. So, of course, to be a reformer is not an easy thing. You have to have some, some real, you have to be able to see it. Hmm? Have to have some realization to be able to adjust the details in such a way that the, that the principles don't go out out the window and so forth. Hmm? So this, this is what he was very much like and preoccupied with. So here, Pujapatrida Marsh is describing Paramhamsa Param Paramartha. He was a Paramhamsa, the highest ideal. He was, there. but he dressed himself like a Paribrajak and taught us we should worship the ideal of Rupa and Sanatana, these Prabhupads, hmm? at whose feet all the teachers sit and so forth, and not think that suddenly we've become such, even though he was such. Hmm? So it was, it was out, of a, out of a humility and, 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 and a desire to, to, to engage students practically in a way that they could, they could come to that um, ideal. In other words, he didn't initiate them and say, okay, now you chant 300,000 names a day. That'll take you about 22 and a half hours. And uh, you sit and find a tree out there. Uh, and if somebody brings you something to eat, fine. If not, you fast. Your name is so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, you're an eternal servant of Radha. This is what you look like there, and so forth. And um, that's it. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, he thought, this isn't, this isn't working here. This isn't uh, very many. We, we, we want to give this to everybody, the secret. Hmm? And uh, we have to give it in a way that they can actually start to digest it. So he wanted to, uh, he, he, he thought, here's a way to do it. Try to understand the teachings given by the Goswamis and Krishna's Kaviyas and all of our Acharyas. Try to understand that with your mind. Hmm? Study Satsandarva, Bhagavatam, Gita, and so forth at length. Try to understand that theory very well. And then... If that's not enough to engage your mind, because you can't just go sit and chant, your mind's going to go everywhere. Like one of my god brothers, Guru Kripa Marsh, once asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada, I'd like to sit down and just chant. Prabhupada said, try it. <laughs> so there was a, a straw hut there in Mayapur. He sat there in a the hut and he was chanting 100,000 names, of, uh, uh, 100, 100 rounds or something like that a, a, a day. And, and he was chanting one day, two days, three days, four days, five, six days. And then he would bring him a meal. Someone would bring a meal, put it under the door once a day. Hmm? And then he said, uh, he told me that after a while, after about two weeks, I started to think, are they going to bring that same doll again? Same rice? Or are they going to bring any sweets today or anything? Or, or you know, that's where his mind was going. And from there, they went further and further. Then he got up and walked. He said, Prabhupada, I couldn't do it. Prabhupada chuckled and said, go and move around and preach. Try to explain this teaching to others. That'll consume your mind for ten years and then come back and try again. Hmm? So, one thing to understand the teaching, another thing now, try to understand how to explain it when somebody asks you, seems to me that consciousness arises, you know, along with matter and, uh, you know, how are you going to explain? <laughs> so, or, you know, what is, you know, somebody asks you, what's your, what's your uh, religion about? Oh, you just faint. How am I? What am I going to? How am I going to? Where do I start? You know, how, where? So that's very consuming hmm? to try to do that. Consuming, and the more the mind is consumed, then the more you are safe from the mind going in places where it won't be useful to you, and so forth. So this is so he made a mission for outreach, and and all the godies were living in the holy places and doing bhajan or imitating the bhajan and. 
and and the people in in the big cities as the modern world was going on weren't dis, weren't respecting them they were some of them didn't have even a moral good moral character and so so he said i will build a temple in calcutta hmm? went to calcutta which is like nobody would go to calcutta that's like maya hmm? They wanted to live in the holy place where it's conducive for budget along the bank of the Ganges and Mayapur and Vrindavan or Puri and so forth. So there he went and opened a temple there and then he started the printing press. He said, you guys are playing a drum. This is my drum. I call it the Brihat Pradunga, the big drum. Because this kirtan I'm doing on the press will go around, go so many places that the drum can only go, you know, earshot. This will go everywhere. We'll get the teachings. What's the foundational teachings? The canvas on which the art of Krishna Leela is manifesting, is, is drawn. What's the metaphysical underpinning? Hmm? That if understood, you understand, yet there must be individuality in consciousness if there's to be love. Hmm? So Leela, which just looked like a cartoon previously, started, maybe it's a little more than that. It maybe has something more to that. Hmm? You can only depict it in art to some extent and whatnot, but what is the philosophical underpinning? So he wanted to get this out and so forth. Hmm? So... He formed an order of sannyas, and and uh, he called his printing press the big drum. He called his sannyasi disciples living drums, jivantamardanga. He sent them out everywhere, like mission, like the Christians were doing, sending missionaries into into India. He sent them out like that, and and uh, so he was, this is all very revolutionary stuff. In those days, sadhus, uh, Vaishnava sadhus, they would not take any conveyance; they would only walk barefooted. He wore patent leather shoes and rode in a car. Hmm? The, Eng- the English were wearing patent leather shoes. That was the thing to wear, you know, at the time, and then have a motor car. And so he did that. And he thought, we'll, we'll dress in a way that they can identify with, and we'll use the things that they're enamored by hmm? to attract them to Krishna. Hmm? If I pull up in barefoot, you know, they won't even listen to me. If I ride up in a car with patent leather shoes, Here's an Indian guy. He's got patent leather shoes on. You know, he's cool. You know. In fact, there's a famous letter that was written by a British lady who had met Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and was impressed by him and wrote back to her relatives and friends. Uh, I don't know where that is. That, but, but that letter today. But anyway, she wrote back and and she said that I met this. Uh, you know, the British occupied India at the time this Indian uh, sadhu, and I know the sadhus, you know, we don't take them seriously. So, but this one's different. This one is really different. And she went on different ways and she said, and he even uses an English toilet. Hmm? <laughs> you know, there's a, an Indian set of toilets steeped in the floor and the, just the footmarks there and you squat on it and then sort of sitting on it like... <laughs> so she, so she, that was like... He went that far. He used that kind of toilet. He installed... I, I, that kind of toilet at Radhakund, at the house he built for Bhakti Vinod. <laughs> and she saw that and thought, he's worth listening to. This, this guy's hip, you know. <laughs> so this is what he was like. This is, uh, and of course, he, he he had three or four of his followers show up in Vrindavan, hmm, amongst the sadhus there, dressed like priests, like Catholic priests, with a little you know, white thing here, shaved head and tilak. Hmm? And, they, and they, all the local Vaishnav sadhus, what are these people? This isn't in our book, you can dress like this. You know, you should have the, have the, or the white dress. And, and what, what they, they couldn't recognize it. Hmm? They couldn't identify it. So he was pushing the envelope and he, 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 was, he, he, he thought, you, know, you could dress in any way and whatever will work you know, for for spreading the mission, and, and that will cause it to come within your heart. Mm-hmm. So he's very much la- preoccupied like this, full of innovations and renovations and so forth. And this verse captures him in this way by way of saying he was a Paramhamsa, but he dressed like a Parirajaka. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of that, that's kind of some, a summary, like all the things that I'm talking about. Very extraordinary outreach, and of course he gave birth to the great. Um, our Guru Maharaj A.C. Bhaktivedanta Sami Prabhupada, our Guru Maharaj Bhaktivedanta Siddhadev Goswami Maharaj, two of his most, uh, uh, as it turns out, prominent disciples who carried on this current, the current as he referred to it of Bhakti Vinod. He said, we'll do, let us shed every drop of blood to keep the current of Bhakti Vinod alive in the world, what this is. Hmm? 
So we are living on that current. We are electrified by that current. This is what lights us up. Hmm? And so the more you know that, understand that, the more we can say that there, uh, there's somebody there and the, and the lights are on. <laughs> and so we know there's somebody there, but we want to turn the lights on. Hmm? The current of bhakti we know that you will um, also be by your own example, as he was, luminaries uh, for others. So this, anyway, uh, something about the great Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur on the day of his disappearance, which, which, um, at the, he disappeared at midnight, and in the moth, all the clocks stopped. Puri hmm? Maharaj testified, all the clocks in the moth stopped. At midnight, it was it was literally as for us as if time had stopped. Hmm? Living with him, serving him, being—I mean—these were great people. Pramod Puri Goswami Bhaktivedanta Swami, Prabhupada Maharaj, Maharaj. These people, these—they they felt like infants next to him. They felt like 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 I feel in relation to them. It's inconceivable. <laughs> they felt like that. Hmm? And their time stopped at that time. And literally it, it, it stopped. They were all stunned. Hmm? But of course it goes on with the disappearance in one place. It is the appearance in another place. Just like the sun. It's always 12 o'clock. Just a matter of somewhere. Hmm? As soon as it's 12.01 here, it's 12 o'clock somewhere else. So, Vaishnavas die to live. Bhaktivinodak was saying, and living, try hmm? to... Spread the name around. How's the whole thing go? Those reason ill who tell that Vaishnavas die. And living still, they try to spread the holy name around. Hmm? Nice poem. So, um, under his auspices and his lineage, his blessing and so forth, we make some humble effort to carry on the, as I say, the current of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And of course, he goes on in the Nityalila, our ideal. He conceived himself as a handmaiden of Radha. He was given the name Daityadas by Gorkishore, which was, was, his, was his mantra guru, which implies that um, uh, uh, servant of, 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 of Radha. His name given at birth by Bhaktivinoda was Bimal, Bimal Prashad, we're getting a cow today at Saragrai, so we're going to name her Bimala. Bimala means pure. Hmm? Bimala. Hmm? Pure. Hmm? So, <laughs> um, anyway, his disappearance, is, it's a celebration because there's no real uh, uh, death. Even, the, even the, the, uh, the biological, if you will, body, which has become the Sadaka Deya, we've got a photo of that. We're keeping that on the altar. It's fully engaged in Krishna's service. The place where it was uh, 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 buried is a worshipable place, the Samadhi, uh, Bhakti uh, uh, Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur in, in Mayapur. Uh, I should mention as we close on this, uh, there's, a, there's a film that my godbrother uh, Bhakti Gaurav Shingamarsh put together about Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, and I think we can get it from the internet. Um, so you can try that on the computer, download that, Gordon uh, Ryan. We could show it tonight. Hmm? It's a very nice film. The, the end part is very, very touching. And there, the train the train is going. Hmm? The train is going through all the stops from Calcutta to, to Mayapur. So many train stops along the way. Hmm? This was a, a haunt, if you will, of the followers of Bhakti Siddhanta from Mayapur, where they had a temple, to Calcutta, back and forth, preaching at every train stop. Gaudiya Mak Brahmacharis would be on the platform. Gaudiya Prakash, Nadia Prakash, Nadia, like it was a newspaper, their daily publication. Nadia Prakash, the light of Nadia. Get the Nadia Prakash, Nadia Prakash, Nadia Prakash, like this. If they would sell one, two magazines to the materialistic people, and report back at night to Bhakti Siddhanta. He would be so much pleased with them. The whole day you stood on the train station, huh? 
and hellish place. <laughs> Nadi Prakash, and one who had an inter- interested one person, hmm? and he would give a f- embrace and a full, full blessing to them. Hmm? So they knew all the people every, between, really between Mayapur and and all the way to 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 to, to Puri. The train is a ten night, ten hour overnight. They already knew these Gaudiamat people and their general Bhakti Siddhanta and the commotion that he was causing, the waves that he was causing in the community, riling up these complacent Gaudias and hypocritical Brahmins and uh, even hypocritical Gaudias and so forth and bringing dignity to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Educated people were coming, not just people with no caste, but educated people coming, giving up their caste to, to join the mission. Hmm? Um, people from Brahmin families and lettered, lettered men and women and so forth. And this was very revolutionary. And it was a, it was a, he was in a war, really, of uh, kind of a spiritual war of trying to establish what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was really about. So when this train, I mean, it, they're just showing a train, and Sri Dharmarsh is narrating, and every stop hmm, along the way, millions of people came. And they, they because the news, Bhakti Siddhanta has left the world. Prabhupada has left. They're taking his remains to Mayapur. Now, all, all, even though they were those who argued with him, they had to come and show what he did. Gaudi Vaishnavism is uh, it was it was given life by him. Mm. We owe a debt. Chidomar is narrating and he speaks and then they brought him to Mayapur. Mm. And we dug with our own hands with the tomb of Samadhi. And then we put the salt and all the various ingredients with mantra and for the samadhi and so forth. And then they filled it up. There to the point, and it came this point. I couldn't, I couldn't watch anymore. So, hearing the voice of Shudamashri, he was there and, it, and witnessing the whole, touched by that. And you get a, just a picture of the whole, what the, the extraordinary campaign of Bhakti Siddhanta was. And we we're all grandchildren, great grandchildren. We are all touched by this in some way. Mm-hmm. My power to touch any of your hearts is all coming from uh, uh, the blessing of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsi Thakur, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, their disciples, and so forth. So it's a it's a it's a it's a good day to start the new year on good thoughts. Hmm? Let us remove all hypocrisy from our hearts and reform our practice and and develop the kind of intellectual and um, moral integrity. That should be ha, should come in the context of pursuing such a high ideal. Hmm? It's less than that, so it should be there as well. As well, is the point. Hmm? So with that we, we 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 stop and only for a moment. Let us continue the lineage then in a, in a formal sense by way of giving the Hari Nam initiation or a blessing for chanting the name of Krishna in the form of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Mm-hmm.